now listening to the Brandon Brand Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brandon Brand Sports Podcast, episode 99, almost at 100. That is a big number and a fairly impressive one. And uh, to celebrate as such, there might be a little bit of a rebranding. Maybe new music, maybe new graphics. We'll see how much I'm motivated to get done prior to the release of that one, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's crazy to think we're at number 99 Wayne Gretzky right now. Right? Like, like it's it's a lot of episodes. And, uh, it is a lot of episodes. Lots of, well, two years have gone by, two years plus. And just lots of stuff has happened in the sports world, and personally with you and I. Yeah, so. no, it's 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 crazy. I don't know if I expected it to last this long, but uh, we're still having fun. It's still fun. It's still fun, and at least some people are still listening. So yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> Whoever's out there and actually clicking on it. Yeah, so and including you. the 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 rebranding, some new music, perhaps. I think we're going to look at some other structures and stuff, and you know, perhaps inviting some people in and. Um, that and was, some other opinions and from the professional rankings. Too, that, that's so. a thing. Like I think we've had problems trying to get an audience in, at least a bigger one, because we don't invite people in, and that's kind of like your traditional podcasting format, as opposed to you know just banter back and forth. So it'd be interesting to see if it pops the numbers at all. You would think it would. Yeah, and you know I think we maybe want to consider introducing everyone to our faces and our actual mannerisms and maybe film the thing yeah. over over time. We're going to have to look into that a bit. But hey, at 100, I think it does it does it should garner future considerations. 100%. Uh, and to celebrate said milestone or I guess the pre-milestone, uh, we'll lead off with some NHL because uh, the top story in the Western Conference continues to be the Alberta team. So we got to ride that while it's hot. Uh, and there's my pun already. I got it out of the way. The Flames actually beat the Ducks last night in the shootout Who uh, in Anaheim, no less, the place where the Flames were long cursed in that building. No more, apparently. Uh, so they win the shootout, which uh, we can talk about that a little bit because I was kind of worried about the, uh, the overtime performances. They're putting that to bed, and they're good for first in the Western Conference with a 15-4-5 record. Yeah, three points clear of the Edmonton Oilers now because they dropped a stinker to the Kraken last night. But that's going to happen throughout the year. Um, the Kraken, you got to be even though their record is is somewhat abysmal, you got to be scared of teams like that. You know, at certain points in time, those teams that are struggling, they got nothing to lose, and they come out and drop a, a bomb on you. So, I mean, I'm not going to criticize the Oilers too too much. They still got their point production out of their big names. But let's get to the Flames. Like, honestly, you know, the only concern you and I had with them, it's, you know, it's about a month ago, was that they kept losing three-on-three uh, -three overtime matchups. They were still getting a point, and, you know, from a points perspective per game, they're uh, best in the league, still up there in a goal differential. But this past week, they've won two in shootout fashion, L.A. on what was it, Monday, Tuesday, and then, um, or no, sorry, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. And then L.A. in between in regulation, and then Anaheim last night. And, you know, to get through three-on-three, three, it's it's tough. I mean, I don't think any team's really, really built for that format and really doesn't have any relevance when it gets into playoffs, but it's that is the crash. format. But, like, look, the shootout performances were absolutely beautiful. Michael Backlund's goal to win it against Pittsburgh the other day oh, it was, it was just a laser. Yeah. And then Gaudreau and Kachuk back to back last night. Took two, two shots and Vladar stopped two. It was over. Uh, well, I mean, I'll preface this by saying that it's hard to gauge 
the completeness of any team based on three on three overtime or the shootout because totally. it is what it is. It's just it's crapshoot. It's a way to end games. It's a way to avoid ties. But like those things aren't gonna win you Stanley Cups when it comes playoff time, right? So take that out of the equation and you look at what the Flames are right now. They've only got four regulation losses. That's what I've always hung my hat on. Like, they don't lose in regulation. I know. (laughs) So, like, it's a very, very promising sign. Yeah, I mean, it it still baffles me because I, when I was in Toronto this past weekend, I did watch the Flames-Jets game. And again, the Canadian team curse against the Flames. Flames were up 2-0 in that first period against the Jets and then just slowly let that thing go down the drain. I don't know what it is if it's going back to legacy issues from last year in the North Division, but three of their four regulation losses are to Canadian teams. Which is so strange. Mind-blowing. So strange. (laughs) And it's not like any of these Canadian teams are even particularly good. Well, Edmonton, like, let's give them a little respect at this point. Like, a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. but the Jets, they're they're above water right now, but I don't know if that's sustainable. I think they've got a good core, like, good-ish. Yeah. But, I mean, that Montreal loss was terrible. You know, we lost to San Jose, which was our fourth regulation loss about a month ago. They've seemed to drop off quite a bit in that time. So the regulation losses are anomalies at the end of the day. I mean, there's so many positives to even take away from those two, outside of the Montreal one, which you're right. Like, you separate that from everything else, you can kind of make excuses for the rest of them, or at least, you know, try and validate it. Uh, Whereas the Montreal one, it's kind of like you move on. But... It looks like the Flames are just going to keep doing this. Now, the puzzling thing to me is where is this coming from? <laughs> like, there's been very little roster turnover from, System. from the Flames that we knew over the last few years. Like, who did we really bring it? Like, it's, you know, Good, Good Branson, Zadarov. None of these names are, like, Trevor Lewis, I guess. Old oh, King's Coleman. guy. Yeah, Coleman's, Coleman's the big one, I would think. But, like... None of these are like sexy game breaking names. They're nope. not they're not your Jack Eichels that everyone was expecting, that's for sure. No, but they're Daryl Sutter players. They're Daryl well, literally because he had half of them, right? Yeah. Well, I good Branson and Zadarov were like you look, management and Daryl Sutter look like geniuses bringing those two shutdown guys in. They they fit in perfectly. Zadarov's not taking the bad penalties. They're just a wall back there. And yeah, I don't think it's it's not about the roster. It's about system. And I mean, I, I just we we almost sound like a broken record. So does all of Calgary media. Oh, but yeah. it just seems like the the Flames and every person on that team has bought in. Everyone's accountable. I mean, last night Daryl Sutter was not pleased with the fourth line allowing that second goal just as um, time uh, went down in, in the second period and. You know, he benched Pitlick, Lewis, and Dubé in the, in the third period as a result. So he he demands performance, and if you don't give it to him, you, you're just not going to see the ice. And I think everyone knows that. That's going to be a lesson that third that fourth line learns. And they're like the fourth line is as accountable as anyone on that team. So they fell down, but that's the beauty of Daryl Sutter. He's going to make you pay. He's going to make you work hard. He's going to make you sweat, bleed, everything. But if you buy into it, you will see success. Remember, you just will. I mean, like we probably flip flopped a million times when Sutter first came back. Like if you go back to those episodes, I swear to God, it was good news one week, bad news the next. Just uh, we could never make up our minds. But I think the one debate we had at the time was if 
a guy like Daryl Sutter could still come in and be relevant in today's NHL because he had been gone for a while, you know, and people were saying Sutter hockey's probably not going to work anymore because he built all his teams on grinders. But I don't know if we can can we officially say that all that is bullshit at this point. Like, well, I, I completely remember vividly when he came in last year and the news that came out at like midnight and everything like that. And we thought, you know, this might kickstart the team, but at the end of the day, that, that, that team last year in the shortened season was a lost cause. Yeah. It was a lost cause. Like that team got on a trajectory. They got down on themselves and they can never pick themselves back up regardless of Sutter, Jeff Ward, whomever was at the, the helm that, that, that season was over. So I've said it before, you know, having a, a fresh start and a full summer to kind of st- strategize about what this team was going to look like, bring in certain tools to plug gaps, and uh, certainly it's just getting the buy-in. But I think the stigma of of Daryl Sutter just having grinder teams, it's not entirely accurate. I don't think it is I, I think that it, it, part of it is that because you want to wear teams down and that's what Sutter teams do they just wear you down over 60 minutes because they're just relentless the forecheck has to be prominent and you have to take advantage of your opportunities and you're going to pepper the goalie the flames are at the like top five in shots per game they they're tight defensively they're number one in goals against they don't allow goals and they're one of the top scoring teams in the league goal differential is huge in this league and if you're at the top or upper echelon you're gonna have success and everything's fallen into place for these guys well and everyone can finish all of a sudden like how maddening was it the last few seasons where they would get their chances nobody it seemed like nobody could fucking bury a shot shoot it at the goalie yeah exactly. no straight <laughs> straight into the fucking chest every single time logo bound and now even milan lucic is on target for his best season in like i don't know half a decade like it's crazy 25 plus goals he's on pace for right now I mean, Johnny's revitalized. I, it, it's it's going to be crazy to think if this persists and we, even if we don't have success in the playoffs, I think everyone has to look at this season as like this was a rebound year and a stepping stone for what potential greatness could come from this team in future years. But they've got some contract dilemmas coming up. Yes. And uh, it's all going to, everything's going to play out based on what the season looks like. But Johnny Gaudreau, we have to resign him. Yeah. You know, of all There's the no shit question. he's taken, sometimes if, from me if, and you. If he wants to resign. If. Yeah, and that's a big if. It sounds like he does. He did take a lot of shit from both, from media and from fans. Like, the guy was just bombarded with trade stuff. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine you, you just let that slide. Nah, really? I don't know, man. Winning changes everything. It does. It really does. I mean, he came out this summer saying he wanted to stay in Calgary. I think he's happy here. He's married now. You know, maybe he's going to settle down a bit more, and maybe he wants to be here for the long haul. If the, if this cohesive unit does see success throughout this whole season, can't see why he wouldn't. Now it's going to come down to money. Yeah. But they got to resign Kachuk too, Mangiapane, and. Uh, I think Shillington is up for a deal too. So I mean, there's going to be some finesse work that's neat that's going to be needed here. Well, I mean, what do you do? I'm like obviously the ideal situation, and I, like I don't want to you know beg on the guy too much more, but like Monahan hasn't looked half bad. So like if they're still looking to in shit his, him out in his role on the third and fourth line, he's been exceptional. Yeah, he been, scored last night. I I I think he's found his role. Now is he an overpaid third or fourth line? 
liner? Yeah, absolutely. But he's got one more year on that deal. It's going to be pretty tough to ship him out for anything meaningful. And it's the same thing with Lucic, though. He's an overpaid kind of third liner. But he brings a lot to the table aside from what he puts in the net. He's a fan favorite now, too. Fan favorite, yeah, leader in the locker room. Yeah. So I, there's nothing you can do about those contracts. Absolutely nothing except work around them and try to work with you know, the, the players that are free agents. But let, let's not dwell on what the future is. This team is absolutely dynamic as they come. And let's give a shout-out to Dan Vladder. Yeah, absolutely. Vladar, sorry. Yeah. You know, playing as solid as they come, you know, his has doesn't have a regulation loss on his resume so far. The, um, uh, the backup goalie situation for Calgary has never been particularly good. Always been bad. Always been bad. And, like, uh, I know a lot of people like Riddick because he was an eccentric kind of dude and a very good interview and stuff like that, but he wasn't the answer either. He I was, wasn't very good. I don't even think he has a job in the NHL. Oh, yeah, he does. He's oh, played for he? the Nashville Predators, oh, man. Does he? He's gotten oh, a few starts. There yep. you go. I didn't yep. know that. Yep. Okay. Yep. But, but back to the point, it's just uh, it's never been solid for a backup option. It's always kind of been play the starter for way too many games, tire him out because they don't have faith who's back there. And I don't think they have that issue now. Well, I mean, if you go back to the Kiprasov days, yeah, clearly that was the case. They were tiring him out and not having an option or a trusted option to put in there. But then there was a five-year lull where they didn't have a true number one, and they were just going A, B, B, A, you know. Like, we were trapped in that scenario for a lot of years. Um, But bringing in Markstrom's really solidified that. You know, Vladar was a a top third-round pick, and I think I've mentioned this before, so he was no slouch by the scouting standpoint. So it's it's a wonder that he fell into our laps. You know, Daryl Sutter did this with Kiprasov coming from San Jose back in the early 2000s, found a gem where no one thought this guy was anything. Now, I know Sutter didn't coach in Boston, but clearly that he had Vladar on his radar. And the guy has come in and absolutely stonewalled where he's gotten the opportunities. A lot of back-to-back situations where Markstrom plays first, he plays second, but he's 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 won everything. He's won everything. <laughs> he's got one overtime loss. The rest are wins. Couple of shutouts in there. He and Markstrom. I mean, last night's going to bloat his GAA a little bit, but both of them were in the top five in both goals they're, against and save percentage. They're on pace for the the both the goalie trophies. I think the, I think it's the Jennings for the best combined goaltending team, yep. and then. Uh, Friedman's probably going to be right, and his marks from Vesna pick. At this point, there's no, no. question. Yeah, who else do you go with? There's right? no, there's no question. question. Um, can you imagine if this all leads up to a Calgary versus Edmonton divisional matchup in the playoffs? Open it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been we, a lot of people have been dreaming of this for a while. I mean, Calgary's been, you know, in the relevant conversation for a lot of years. Everyone knows Edmonton's been knocking. They're a great regular season team, but no playoff success. I mean, it, it would be cool. I, I don't know if I'd like it in the first round, you know. But I, I, if, if I just look at things right now, I mean, I like Calgary's chances. Yeah. They're built more like a playoff team than Edmonton. But um, I think it would be cool. I mean, I'd probably do a back and forth try to see as many games here in Calgary and Edmonton if it does go like a seven gamer but I think it would be cool but do I need it no I just want the Calgary to make it and you know kind of dominate it's interesting the next game against the the Flames have is on Sunday against the the Vegas Golden Knights 
Yeah, the middling Vegas go. Yeah, ahead. but they're not going to be there all season. I, I I feel like this is a test. Calgary always does poorly against Vegas in Vegas. Yeah. The since Vegas's inception, so I think this is a real test coming up. I I really want to see how they perform. If they even if they lose and it's close, I'll be probably happy about that. Just given they like I said, they get blown out down there quite a bit. I'd like to see a win, but. This is a real test coming up. I mean, and we can't rave enough about the Flames' road record. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. They've had, like, no games at home. And they're kind of middling at home. But on the road, they're like, it can't be stopped. It's it's such a weird, weird thing. Like, teams have done that in the past, but it's getting to the point now where it's kind of lopsided. Well, it's getting to... It's goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> You're going to have to start living in hotels when they're playing uh, home games. Yeah. I've heard coaches do that sometimes. Oh, they have done that. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's been done. Uh, there were some other things that we missed because we took a couple weeks off in between recording. So uh, let's try and plow through these. Um, let's see. We've got the hand-biting incident, uh, the Brendan Lemieux, Brady Kachuk thing, and we've got Mark Bergevin relieved of his duties uh, as Montreal Canadiens GM. Uh, I would say the Canadians are probably the, the more of the important talking point, but uh, the hand-biting incident was kind of uh, entertaining. Again, we've we've done this kind of comparison before. That's a happy Gilmore move right <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, like, it's just like, you don't see that shit often, but it was so very clear. And, like, the fact that it was a Lemieux, you know, <laughs> whose dad kind of made a name for himself for doing shit like that. So. Yeah, Claude Lemieux is a fucking He's menace dick. out there. He was an absolute But he mess. was a, like, he was a point getter, man. I don't know his what his son's like, if he's just a bruiser out there or what. But Claude Lemieux, hate him or love him, he was one of the reasons the Colorado Avalanche were so good back then. And, but, the, and the Devils. He yeah. spent some time there as well. Yeah, yeah. early yeah. days, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, like... Uh, you need players like that. Maybe it's not that extent because the game's changed a little bit. You don't really see that kind of shit anymore. So when it does happen like this, it's kind of jarring in a weird way. Yeah. Anyways, it was more comical than anything <laughs> <Yeah>. else. <laughs> did, did Brady have to get a tetanus shot after <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> I think they were talking about that. He looked livid on the bench. Well, absolutely like, livid. Did you bite me? Yeah, what the fuck? Who he was does like, that? <laughs> um, fine, let's go to the Habs then. Um, in no shock, shock or surprise, at least to me, uh, Bergevin loses his job. I, what, he was there for almost a decade. He was eh? there for a very long time. Very and long I think he kept time. his job because he was French. Um, which, and it sounds like they're trying to find a francophone GM, which, like, I get why they try and do that. But, like, this just goes, um, to me, like, shouldn't you just go with the best guy on the job? Absolutely, Like, man. it doesn't Absolutely. really make sense. And, like, they brought in Jeff Gordon, who's from the Rangers, and I think he's their executive VP now. And yep. uh, Gordon had a lot to do with the current mold of the Rangers, and obviously they're not too bad this season. But, like, when they introduced him and did their media availability, no one was asking him questions in French. No, so I think. Why, why it, the fuck does it matter? Well, it's a it's a perception thing, and it's it, this goes back to the beginning of time in in hockey in Montreal. Uh, they want to promote the francophone culture, and I have no problem with that. If every if all if the top ten players in the league are francophone, and you want to go after them, that like cool sauce, man. Like that's awesome. But like, are you really doing your franchise a, your proper duty? If you're like dismissing 
players, executives, what have you, that have better chops than the, the next francophone guy. Yeah. Like, that's where I just don't understand. Like, you're just going to sacrifice performance for the sake of perception. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make tons of sense. And, like, there's a lot of big-name guys out there, you know, even going through, like, the old Penguins GMs, Ray Shiro's floating around, Jim Rutherford. You know, you, you just know 80-year-old Jim Rutherford's going to make a comeback at some point because <laughs> he can't stay away from the game. Um, but they're probably going to wait it out and skim all those names for whatever reason. Well, there's no rush in Montreal. No the rush. season's over. The season's over. I just find it very, very interesting that you could go from absolute <laughs> glory days six months ago to on the street if you're Bergevin. But that being said, we both acknowledged last year's cup run was a crazy anomaly. Crazy anomaly, crazy fluke. The team was not, it's not built properly. Their young guys have regressed. And uh, just with Bergevin himself, uh, I was saying this to a friend of mine uh, not too long ago, like shortly after it happened, but like, I don't think Mark Bergevin was ever a particularly good GM. Now, I know the Canadians had some bright spots, you know, and some decent runs under him. But if you go back and really look at what he's done with the team, it doesn't ever really look like he had much of a set plan when he was building these things. Outside of, we've got Carey Price, let's try and, you know, put some people in front of him. We're just going to coddle something just together. Just cobble something together. He, yeah. he never, like, it, look at the Flames and how they're built. You can tell what their identity is. You, you know, the Oilers, even though it's flawed, you can tell what their identity is. And these are your higher teams. The Mon- Montreal Canadiens never had a set thing of what they were. Yeah, I mean, to give Bergevin a little bit of credit, I mean, last year's run was based on a few things. Carey Price was absolutely on fire. Shea Weber was having you know, arguably his best performance in a single season ever, front to back. Lost both of those to start the season. Yeah. Didn't have them. The Kotkaniemi fucking debacle, offer sheet thing. (laughs) Say what you will about the player. He was part of that team, and he was part of the future. You know, maybe he becomes something great or good or whatever, but you lose him, that's more momentum gone. You know, Cole Caulfield got sent to the minors. It was the timely scoring in that playoff run that gave them success. And they just, they're not getting that anymore. And I know the team's not the same, but they just don't have that anymore. They don't have scoring, consistent scoring. And uh, you're right, Bergevin just didn't have a plan. And maybe he did. But the biggest issue in Montreal is that free agents don't want to go there. They just do not want to play in a media-driven market like that where they're scrutinized to the bitter end. Um, And we were talking about this before the episode. It's like, you know, the Calgary media is actually quite in tune with the team here. But I feel like they're, they're, they're a little bit empathetic to the players' plight and what they go through every day and that... They t- the media here tends to focus on a lot of bright spots. It's never been overly aggressive. It's not critical, yeah. like like you get in Toronto or Montreal. So I think that's the biggest issue Montreal needs to get over is how do we get players to understand that it's actually not that bad, but it is bad. It's going to have to change from a societal standpoint as well. Um, two points out of that, I think. I'm going to mention the Canucks here because we're on to the media thing, but uh, I will say that I think when you look at Bergevin's tenure as the the GM of this team, he's probably going to be remembered most for uh, having no qualms about shipping out fan favorites, despite how popular they are. When you look at the track record, P.K. Subban, gone. Pacioretty, gone. Turn that in Nick Suzuki. Um, 
uh, he kills off fan favorites faster than J.R.R. Martin in Game of Thrones, you know? <laughs> so he, you just can't get go too attached. So it's just kind of a weird thing that he built up around himself. Yeah, P.K. Subban was a fan favorite, there's no question. And his performance is on the ice year after year after year. He won a Norris in there. And then all of a sudden, he didn't want to play for them anymore. So that really does suggest management didn't ma- manage him very that, well. That thing seemed overnight, too. Yeah, like he was just like, I don't want to play here anymore, they, man. they were talking about him for captain material for like two yep. or three seasons. And then all of a sudden, boom, I hate this place. Please trade me. And Pacioretty, man, he was like an elite goal scorer for yeah. a number of years. On an average team, he still in Montreal. played well for the Knights. But. He is, but he wanted out almost overnight too. It was yeah. just like I've had enough. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to suggest that there was underlying issues there, no question. Yeah. And then on to the second point with the media thing. Um, I mean, it's just come out recently that Vancouver is, you know, the hotbed of negativity there uh, between the aura in the room, management. Um, and the media there is like overtly negative and they, they have been that way for a really long time. So I, I can't remember what story it was, but now it's coming out that nobody wants to play in Vancouver, uh, despite, you know, the city being gorgeous and stuff like that, which is kind of crazy to think about. But like, I think you have to find some kind of happy medium, uh, which I think we're pretty lucky to have in Calgary between like what's going on in Vancouver to say like the Edmonton guys who are just like, we're going to win the cup every year. Like, you gotta, you gotta figure it out, you know, and call it down the middle, as it were. Yeah, I mean, it would have been so easy for the Calgary media to just lambaste the Flames organization after last season's performance and underperformance, whatever. And, I mean, we were critical on this show of the Calgary Flames. I mean, but I think we were very, very, we stayed very, very positive throughout that season when they had their ups, when they had their downs. You know, it's easy to kind of point fingers. But at the end of the day... Where I found myself in the summer, after a bit of self-reflection about the team, was that, you know, the year before, in the bubble season, they really persevered. This team wasn't going to be hot garbage this year. They were going to compete for a playoff spot. They're clearly overperforming to that. Mm -hmm. But I knew this team wasn't going to be trash, you know? So, I mean, that, that in itself, I think, kept the players, you know, above water in terms of their confidence, what they thought about the season coming up. I don't think that anyone in Vancouver or Montreal right now, because they're at the bottom end of the of the of the standings in both conferences, it's 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 a disaster in Vancouver it's right now. It's an yeah. absolute disaster. At least in Montreal, everyone's like, "Well, we kind of knew what this was." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think anyone had any delusions there about what the Canadians yeah, were going to accomplish. Yeah, we knew the expectations were high in Vancouver. So I'd were. imagine it's so much worse, so much worse, yeah. and like. When you look at that team and the way they're they're with the contracts and like even up to management, like that whole thing just needs to be torn down and like put back together at this point. It's on fire. It's on fire, <laughs> and like the morale there is destroyed. All of their young guys, you can tell they just hate it there. Well, and it's, there's so much left in the season. So man. much left. <laughs> it's gonna get worse, which I, is the crazy it, thing. It could, yeah. Poor Travis Green too, because like he's not a bad coach. But, I don't like, think he's the problem. He's not the problem. <laughs> I, I don't, but he's going to get canned. He's going to get canned. I would imagine Benning's going to get canned. Benning has to go. There's- the thing about Benning that I don't understand is that he does, he, it seems like he doesn't understand he the doesn't gravity know. of his poor decisions the last few years. He thinks he still did a good job. That's what it looks like to me. And that is just like, 
I don't know what even what to call that. He he's delusional. You, you know, in pro wrestling, some of the best bad guys or the most hateable bad guys are the bad guys that still think they're good guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's what makes them so hateable. Yeah. And he's kind of got that going he on right does, now. He does, <laughs> man. Like, some of his comments, I've just been like, what? What world are you living in? There are rumors that Mike Gillis could be coming back out of retirement to save the team. Oh, wow. <laughs> some things need yeah. I mean, We can agree on that. I mean, there's something needs to be done. And to end off, so we, we've gone on NHL a lot, but there are miscellaneous points, so we can end off with one of these. But uh, the while they're going to retire Miko Koivu's number, Evander Kane is now buried in the AHL. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins got sold the Fenway Sports Group, which is kind of interesting. And uh, the Bruins are looking to trade D- Jake Brusque. And, uh, I mean, rumors have been floating around him for quite a while now. Yeah, well, I mean, all those points are pretty cool. Miko Koivu had an absolutely sparkling career absolutely you know he was never well the minnesota teams he played on were never meant to be blow the doors off score 90 goals in a game type of um you know strategy but he he had a very very consistent career um was saku his brother his brother yeah yeah. so i mean both Both koivus very similar careers very very consistent never kind of Con Smythe, or not Con Smythe, but Art Ross, you know, top of the league in points type players, but very good leaders, and uh, that's well-deserved. Um, just on retired numbers, I, I mentioned this on a past show when I went to Montreal to watch a game. It's crazy to see all the banners and all the... I was in Toronto, I saw a Raptors game, and like the Toronto Maple Leafs just <laughs> littered. Yeah, Absolutely and seeing littered. Tim Horton up there, like, it, it's crazy. <laughs> But uh, Jake DeBrusque, I think he's a lovely young talent. He's fallen out of favor in Boston. Yes, I mean, yeah. Two years ago, he had a 27-goal year. Now, again, he was getting a lot of ice time with the top guys. But I think he's got some value there and probably some cheap value for someone just because his numbers have dwindled so much. Flames were linked to him in the offseason as well. Glad we didn't make a move for who we were suggesting or they were <laughs> suggesting. But I, I think the Flames might be interested in someone like him. Well, Oilers have been floated around, too, because uh, Louis DeBrusque, his dad, is still their uh, call guy. Yeah. So, like, obviously that's going to be linked as well. The Bruins definitely are going to make some moves because they haven't looked very Boston-y lately. I think they're kind of middle of the pack in the East. Yeah, they haven't found their stride. I mean, we talked about teams that were almost out of it, and one team we said was right on the on the cusp was the Islanders. They've lost nine in a row now. That's not good at all. <laughs> it, like they're they're almost toast. They're almost toast. Twelve twelve or what thirteen points in seventeen games. That's well below a point per game. They're kinda on the opposite trajectory of the Flames because they didn't have any turnover and then they're just absolutely bombing. Can't score. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean Lamorello teams have traditionally had a hard time scoring, let me tell you. So, like, that part doesn't shock me, but you would think with, you know, Barry Trotz and the goaltenders and the defense and stuff like that, they'd manage to sort it out. Or nope. maybe, maybe Zach Parise is just cursed as fuck. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. Hey, guys, you should do us a solid and head on over to our social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and give a like. Give everything a like, because our numbers are terrible, and that would be a huge, huge 
Uh, the Monday game and the Thursday game brought a little bit of intrigue. The Washington football team trim up the Seattle Seahawks, who fall to 3-8. and eight, And the Dallas Cowboys beat up on the Taysom Hill-led New Orleans Saints. Um, I think they got up like 15 points on them or something like that, 27. Uh, I, I think 27-17, so that's how it ended. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not really a surprise with the Cowboys game because the Saints are kind of uh, a mismatched joint of trash right now. But uh, Yeah, the Saints season, especially after game one of beating up on the Packers 38-3, their season's just not worked out for no, them. not on any aspect. Very all. middling team. Um, the Cowboys, on the other hand, they won the game, but I mean, their offense hasn't looked sparkling. I mean, I follow them because of my fantasy selections, but... Dak's been underwhelming. I mean, enough to get wins, and that's all that matters. I mean, fantasy fans and, you know, the stats heads and all that stuff, it doesn't really matter at the end. If you're getting wins, that's all that matters, and that's what Dallas is doing. Um, But, you know, going over to the Washington football team, you all know I follow them too. It's been great to see them kind of overcome a lot of adversity, losing their arguably their team captain and Chase Young a couple of weeks ago. They're still winning close games. Seattle had a chance to tie that up at the last second on a a two-point conversion attempt. They stopped that. They actually intercepted Russ. Russ has looked terrible. Terrible. I think he rushed that finger. I don't think he's 100%. I'm not going to put this all on Russ. But the Seahawks are The Seahawks are the big story here. The Seahawks are the big story here for a number of reasons. I just want to say right now before you get into it, I think preseason and week one, week two, I was saying the Seahawks are going to be in last place in this division. So we'll have to go back. Let, I, let that, me, does, that does sound familiar. Uh, oh, I, I, I know I said it, man. <laughs> like, I know I did. I mean, like, I, it was always hard for me to call the Seahawks because it feels like every week that I want to badmouth them, they come out with a decent performance to that. But that just hasn't really happened this year. And now, with the Russ Wilson drama and all the talk of him leaving, so they've got that to contend with. But now, as the standings sit, where the season end the New York Jets would be poised to draft four and five because the Jets own the Seahawks pick from that Jamal Adams trade. So the Seattle Seahawks are in a very, very troubling pick. (laughs) Yeah, not only for this season, but I mean, I would say if I was a betting man, Russ is not going to be there next year. Now, maybe they'll get a first-round draft pick for his services, but it's going to be from a team that's probably not going to give you a top pick, at least in this current year's draft coming up. But who would have thought when they went for Jamal Adams in the summer of 2019, I believe it was, that they were going to give up a top five draft pick? A top pick. five pick. They, I, I, I get, that was always Seattle's MO. They did trade a lot of first-round picks because, you know, they traditionally don't draft that well. And they usually find diamonds are rough later in the draft. But a first-round draft pick for a Seahawks team these days, at least in the last 10 years, is going to be in that bottom 20, or get bottom 10, you know, 20 to 30. But that's not going to happen this year because <laughs> they're that bad. That, that, that's the biggest trouble, too, because, like, even if they have this transition and try and turn themselves into a completely rebuilt team without Russell Wilson, like, are you going to take an existing player there and kind of build it around DK Metcalf or, or Tyra Lockett? Like, what do you do? You yeah. don't have a high pick. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can still find, you know, look at Mac Jones. You can still find decent quarterbacks later in the drafts and stuff like that. So, I mean, I get that you you don't, you want a top five pick. Like, no one's going to say no to that. I don't think it's the end of the world that way. It is troubling, though, because if you're going to have a bad year, hopefully you just kind of, 
rejuvenate yourself through the draft, but they're not going to have that luxury. But, you know, the thing I look at, and I've said it before, I mean, Pete Carroll's got to go, He's man. Gotta I mean, go. the AA, he won, he, had, he was the glory days coach of the Legion of Boom, and that's lovely. But they won, won, they won their first Super Bowl in 2013. That's eight years ago. Yeah. Things have changed. Carroll, and they've changed a lot. Pete Carroll, to me, is kind of in the same position as Mike Tomlin at Pittsburgh. Like, it's just time. It's time, It's man. time to move on. You know, you can hold on to it as long as you want, but, like, not everybody is Bill Belichick. It's just not the case. Sometimes you just, you got to revamp the system, and the Seahawks are there. Like, you got to jumpstart it, man. The car's, <laughs> the battery's dead in the car. The battery's dead you in gotta the car. You got to fucking charge that thing. And I, I, I truly think that's the issue in Seattle. Yeah. At least the, the crux of it. There's other lingering, festering issues too, but he's the core of it. That's my opinion. Kind of interesting too. Like I, I know it didn't happen overnight, but it did seem like the Seahawks, at least for a while, were the darlings of the NFL. Oh, every year you could count on them being twelve and four, yeah. eleven and five. And, I mean, and like by proximity, they're relatively popular around these parts. But like, you don't see nearly as many Seahawks jerseys around these. No, no, they're not pumping their tires like they once were for sure, for sure, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is in Seattle. The season's a wash, clearly. Um, but the you know in that division, I've been quite surprised about. I mean the. The Rams went 0-3 in November. Yeah. Lost all three games. Uh, The 49ers have turned it around. They're right back in it. Have the Rams won it all since OBJ came in? No. (laughs) No. Not a single win. (laughs) I I saw a meme. The the Detroit Lions were 0-2-1 in November. The Rams were 0-3. The Lions had a better record. <laughs> oh man, that is, it's so strange, man. Odell's it, this seems just like last year with the Rams, like darlings in the first two months, and then just let the season slowly go down the shitter. Like it's it's almost like a mirror image. It's I mean, crazy. Meanwhile, we I mean we talked about it at length last episode, so we won't do too much on them. But the Patriots are still charging. Uh, you brought it up before we started uh, recording, but the Dolphins are charging into position here. Four in a row. Yeah. yeah, four in a row. So we got some very intriguing matchups coming up on Sunday between Patriots and Bills. Um, Chargers and Bengals is kind of interesting to me, just given that the Chargers are on a downward incline, whereas the Bengals seem to be riding a high. And then Ravens and Steelers, you know, a couple of middling teams. Um, and I guess either or could still make the playoffs at this point, but uh, neither is performing to expectations. Yeah, I, I like I, – I was high on the Chargers, but they've kind of leveled off here. You don't know what you're going to get with them from week to week, it seems. But they're a young team. Young quarterback, that's understood. Um, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they're still in it. They're still very much in it. The Bengals, we've talked about. They're they're one of my darlings. I think they're they're for real. I think they can win that division because I don't. Baltimore is not playing very well, even though they're still getting wins. I mean, you know, the Bengals beat the shit out of the Steelers last week. Well, the Steel, I think the Steel and the Browns. The Browns. <laughs> Baker Mayfield needs to go. <laughs> that team is good, but Baker's not. Um, but Baltimore is my my focal point in that division because they should be better, but they're not. I think the Bengals can, I think they can leapfrog them. But um, back to the Patriots, I've been raving about them for weeks now. I think they're going to pound Buffalo. It's really going to send a message in that division because Josh Allen and the the Bills were riding high after last year and 
no team even coming close to competing with them, concluding the Patriots. But the Patriots are back, man. Patriots are back. They in a big are way. back. Back in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're the, fa- the for me right now. They're the favorites in the AFC. Maybe even for Super Bowl for me, the way they play defensively, it's it's actually that insane. Well, I we brought it up numerous times, but I'm I'm kind of hoping Tampa Bay versus New England. <laughs> you know? There's your there's your uh, future movie on the big screen. Yeah, really. You well, can't going, write it any better. going back to earlier this year, man, the Patriots should have beat the Bucks, but yeah, didn't yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, other miscellaneous points throughout the league: Carolina Panthers have lost Christian McCaffrey again for the season. Uh, it doesn't feel like McCaffrey's played much in the last few years. Well, he didn't play at all last year. Yeah. He's, he had that hamstring injury for four weeks earlier this year, so he's only played a handful of games this year. At, it doesn't look good for him as a as a football player moving forward. It it's a shame, not for, just for him, but for fans, because he's so good. Well, arguably, um, like, and this is crazy to me, because both of the best running backs in the league are both done for the season in McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. But, like, if you're the Carolina Panthers, like you can't count on this guy anymore. <laughs> like, well, I, I'm just looking at it from a pure personal perspective. I mean, if you're Christian McCaffrey, you got to look at this like, man, what what does my future look like? Am I just gonna be a fucking cripple after my career's done? Like, this is two years of two straight years of just punishment for punishment. that guy. Yeah. Um, I hope nothing but the best for him and Henry because we, as fans, we want to see them on the field. 100%. But let's just, like, like, can we just, like, talk about the Carolina Panthers for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Cam Newton's performance. Did you see his stat line last week? I did, yeah. <laughs> Five for 21, 95 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. That was a quarterback rating of 5.8. I've never seen something that low before. I'm going to have to eat some crow because I thought he looked pretty good in that first game, and now it's just kind of a burning dumpster fire of doom. <laughs> you know, okay, if you do some reflection, because I'm a Cardinals fan, right? The game that he dominated or had his coming out party or his comeback party was against a Cardinals team that didn't have Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins, and Colt McCoy just didn't have it that day. But I'll go back to it, man. Cam Newton is, has a dead arm. He cannot <laughs> throw the football anymore. So he can't be counted on. He, he The only thing I think Cam Newton can do at this stage is be when New Orleans has a number one quarterback and Taysom Hill comes in for hybrid plays. That's what Cam Newton is at this time. And the same thing that Mariota was doing for a while there. Yeah. yeah like, but, I mean, Carolina season at this point, it's oh, done. It's it it's was over, done yeah. before, but it is clearly done now. And I don't know what the future holds for Cam, but I... They've kind of dug I, I think the league's. Hole. I think the league's got to just be like, "Hey, he's he's done." <laughs> it's 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 such a weird position that Carolina got themselves in because you know not only is the Newt thing. I mean, he'll go. He'll he'll just you know disappear when the season ends, whatever. But then they've got Sam Darno to deal with because they signed him for multiple years. I think. Oh yeah, and they're <laughs> still paying Teddy Bridgewater. Still too, playing so. Teddy Bridgewater. Fucking fucking a. <laughs> yeah, and then the McCaffrey thing. So like, yeah, they're, they're doomed. Man. They're doomed. Yeah, it's. Mess in Carolina. Yeah. Holy fuck. Um, and the Vikings actually lost Dalvin Cook, too. Um, I think for at least two games. Yeah, so they're saying at least two. And he's had a down year by his standards. And Minnesota just doesn't seem to be able to put it together every single week. Um, they have one some week, moments. They yeah, I was going to say, one week they look good, and the next they look like trash. Um, but the, the beauty part of uh, 
the NFC is that the the wild card teams are 500 or even below that are still in it. So I mean, you can't count them out quite yet. I mean, they just beat the Packers two weeks ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know, they rose up for that game, and then you know what I mean. So that that's the difference between the AFC and NFC. The the wild card teams in the AFC are like seven and four. In the NFC, they're like 500. So yeah. there's still a chance. <laughs> think you have any ideas that would help us improve the show uh is there any stuff that we don't talk about that you would like us to talk about we would like your input send us an email at brenbrandsports at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts we're open to it we mentioned it a couple times but not in depth but uh let's talk about your toronto trip to invade the raptors game what was it raptors celtics yeah raptors celtics last sunday uh beauty environment you know you see it on TV with Jurassic Park and the Scotiabank Arena is right in the core and it's pretty bustling and uh, the sound in that arena. We saw Genesis on Friday too. It's just absolutely amazing. It's it's a treat to see a sporting event and a concert in a proper venue because the Scotia or the the Saddledome is just trash. Oh, and we've known that, but like I had a direct comparison right there. <laughs> and uh, anyways. It, you know, it really solidified my perception of the Raptors seeing a game live and how they, you know, performed. And I know they've had injuries all year. It's like one guy's in one night, out the next, and they haven't had any consistency that way. But they can hang with anyone in the NBA, but they can't get over that hump. They stayed with the Celtics all game, and then towards the end of the third, they started getting worn down and lost by, I think, 11. And that's been true for most of the games the last two weeks. Uh, they did manage to win on Friday against the Bucks, but I don't know Friday, Thursday, but that was without Giannis. So I'm not going to put any weight into that game. But you know, the Raptors are a lovely team if they could get some consistency in that roster. The one thing that I that did stand out to me, and I've been saying this from watching games on TV, Scotty Scotty Barnes is going to be a star in this superstar league. in this league. He Love that game. man, he played so well defensively and offensively against the Celtics. He's consistently putting 100% on the floor. Uh, I really like... And Van Vliet's still the leader, and he's still playing well. Siakam's still not playing up to his potential. That's a big issue for them. But, you know, all in all, the Raptors, like I said, if they get some consistency in terms of roster play, I think they'll make the playoffs still. I'm going to hang on to that. But at this point in time, they're just... They're very fragile. So there's points in the game where they just lose it just a bit. But for the most part, at ninety percent of the game, they stayed with the Celtics or were better than them. How were uh, how was the environment in, in comparison? Because you said you'd only been to one NBA game prior to that. So how was the environment in comparison to say like NHL games or like you've been to NFL games too? So like, what's curious to me is like what stands out that makes the NBA experience unique. Well, I think Toronto is a very unique NBA environment to begin with. I mean, the fan base there is rabid. It was a Sunday night game. It was still pretty well attended. It's very loud. The crowd's into it. Um, The last NBA game I went to was in Boston. um, And it was loud as shit in there, too. But it's different. Like, Toronto fans are just a little bit more passionate, I would say. But, yeah, I mean, comparing it to other, like, NFL teams, it's a bigger stadium. So it's, it's different in the sense that... NBA games, even in comparing them to hockey games, just seem so much more intimate because you're like watching this little court and 
everything you, like there's not a bad seat in the house in that arena in my opinion we were first row second tier so we had a really good vantage point but the, the beauty of the nba is they play music during the play and the bass and the everything's going on so it's very stimulating so that's why i would say nba has it almost over any professional sports league because the in-play entertainment I've been kind of curious about that, just even with the music playing during the play, because, like, I mean, I've said it before, but, like, during our lacrosse games here, I found it to be wildly irritating, so it's kind of interesting you brought that up as being a positive. Yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) the difference is, is that at a Roughnecks game, it's just, like, banger rock and stupid shit, like, (laughs) a lot of the in-play music in the NBA is to get the crowd fired up, like, defense, defense, you know, interactive stuff. So, I, I I just love it, and I know the players love it too because they get into it, and that kind of gets their flow of their game going as well. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, the next point for the NBA here. Uh, they just put together a very incredible 18-game winning streak, and we were just marveling at it. I wasn't even aware of it. I've been kind of detached from the NBA lately. But uh, as soon as you brought it up over text, they lost it to the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting enough. I mean, this, the Suns season started 1-3, and three, and then they rattled off this 18-gamer. And, uh, I mean, they made the NBA Finals last year. They're clearly one of the upper echelon in the NBA, so... You know, the first week they stumbled, but they kind of put this heater together. But what I found interesting was that, of course, it was to the Golden State Warriors, who at this point in time is the best team in the NBA, bar none. Still don't have clay back, so sky's the limit for that team. What I found interesting is that they hit 19 threes to, to snap an 18-game winning streak. So just that extra three that got them over the hump now they did win by more than that but 19 threes in a game that's insane that's an insane number like i think they said something like nine players had at least one three in that game like the warriors are back in business they are back they're man. back in business in a big way it was only a matter of time but uh... and draymond looks like he's 25 again yeah like he's he said he's quit drinking he's like really yeah he's he's, he's he's working out harder than he ever has and it's it shows on the court man and he as even if you look at the glory days from like 15 to 19 of the Golden State Warriors, yeah, you got Steph, yeah, you got Clay, yeah, you had Kevin Durant, but Draymond was that engine man. He was the guy that put it all on the line, was fiery, passionate. As he went, the Golden State Warriors and everybody around them went. He kind of reminds me of Dennis Rodman in his prime. Kind of, kind of. I mean, he's better with the ball in his hands, I think, but defensively sound, uh, kind of an unsung hero in that uh, engine, which kind of leads me to the comparison there. So, yeah, uh, Draymond's kind of way better. Yeah, <laughs> than Rodman, but I get the the comparison. Yeah, the, yeah. It, I mean, it, like I, I'm pretty sure Draymond could outplay Rodman in his prime. There's no question. Although you, you know, uh, I wanted to bring up that meme that you sent the other day. <laughs> Wasn't that, was, that, that was great? Kind of, yeah, <laughs> Michael Jordan throwing some shade. Uh, yeah, yeah saying, I don't know if it's legit, like you said. Yeah, yeah. But uh, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, essentially saying that uh, his Bulls could still be competitive against LeBron's Lakers because they're all in their 60s, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and a very, very Michael thing to say if he did indeed say it. Yeah, what, what, what would the score be? We beat him by two or three. Why so tight? Because most of us That's are right. close to 60. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that guy. And he is the best. He is the best. So, yeah, I don't think anyone needs to have that debate. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 
Um, let's, uh, well, let's do Stampeders first, and then we'll talk about the MLB lockout. But Stampeders are done for the season. Got themselves into the playoffs and bow out at the hands of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I didn't catch any of the game. No. Um, unfortunately, I, I mean, I didn't watch much CFL at all this this season. But uh, Stampeders are done. And uh, I don't know if you heard about the other thing that's going on in the CFL right now. Um, and it's like a big, you're, you're going to hate this too. So, uh, Toronto's quarterback, McLeod Bethel Thompson, right? So, they're in the East Final now. And they sent him to the Raptors game to promote the game. Because, like, nobody in Toronto goes to CFL games, right? So he was at the game, at the Raptors game, promoting the CFL game. He was on TV, had his mask on, doing the whole thing. And now he's not allowed to play because he broke COVID protocol by going to that game. Even though the team sent him there. Okay, I'm not even going to get into it. So man. he's being like, hell out of it, even though the team sent him. Yeah. Which is crazy, eh? Whatever. <laughs> like, the team literally sent him there. That's, that's man, I, I I don't even know what to say. It, like, it's, and, it's, it's a very strange look for the CFL. It's a strange look for society. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I mean Holy hell. And I didn't even get asked for proof of vaccination at any airport in my trip. So what does that mean? Really? No. Interesting. <laughs> when we went to Newfoundland, we got pretty hard. But uh, no. that was a while ago. No, sir. Interesting. So anyways. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm yeah. just going to leave it at that. Uh, I mean, anything to say on the stamps? Uh, no. I mean, they bowed out in, you know, a t- typical fashion in terms of the CFL as a whole. Field goal fest, not a lot of points, not a lot of action. We all need just to forget about this CFL season because I don't think whoever wins, cool, awesome, put it in your trophy case. But this has been a, a, an abysmal year from an entertainment standpoint with yeah, the CFL. 100%. I was kind of done. I didn't care that the... the the stamps made it. I, I I thought it was a coin flip whether they'd survive against uh, Saskatchewan. But, you know, the one thing I do have to tip my hat to is it would have been pretty easy for the stamps and that whole crew to just mail it in yeah. after that one and four start. Bo Levi was hurt for a lot of that. But they persevered, man. I mean, they didn't win games by scoring a shit ton of points, but the defense played well and they got into the playoffs. And that. To me, that's important. That's a moral victory for this squad going into next year. Doesn't it feel like the the CFL as a league has accumulated quite a few black marks in how they've handled themselves in the last few years? It's no, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe like between you know bagging the feds for money in the early days of, of the shit hitting the fan, and then all the XFL talks, and now this not breaking or bending rules to let you know Toronto starting quarterback back in. It's just. Uh, a lot of things being done kind of oddly by Mr. Ambrosi in the CFL. I mean, what are you going to say about them asking for money? Everyone had their fucking hands out a year ago. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to blame anyone in the CFL for doing the same thing everyone else was doing. Uh, quite frankly, if you're going to compare them to other businesses that d- actually did get money, the CFL probably needed it more. Now... We can talk about the subjectivity around what's important, what's not, what's essential, quote-unquote. But I'm not going to blame them for that. You know, some of this other stuff, This that story you just told, it, I, it really irritates me. Because how is it different from him sitting on the the court 
than it is for him to stand on the field with a, a sea of people around him. Well, it's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it's indoors versus in, anyways. It's, it's just and a, this stuff, I mean, I guess there's protocol and you can't break it, but it just seems interesting to me that, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets, you know, a free pass and this guy can't even fucking play. Yeah. Like, this all has to end, man. I, this madness is crazy. It's, it's, it's just very strange the way that, you know, some things are allowed, some things are not, some rules are banned, some things are not. Some guys get this, some, some guys, guys don't. Some guys get that, yeah. And then there was, like, the, the thing in Vancouver lately where they were allowing, you know, full Canucks games for people who wanted to see the Canucks lose but they were shutting down little venues for having concerts too. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a big thing about it, like uh, where people were like, they were shutting down like uh, all the metal shows and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm connected to that. So people were like, what the fuck? Like, you know, Rogers Place is packed every second night. Like, I look. just went to Genesis yeah. with fucking twenty thousand people. Yeah, it's it's just there's no real consistency there. Not anymore anyway anyways baseball yeah baseball <laughs> yeah yeah uh mlb lockout so we'll see how long i mean there was a flurry of signings prior uh which felt like there were a million of them in the span of about 48 hours but uh, yeah baseball's locked out we'll see how long that lasts yeah i mean uh, i remember vividly because i was really starting to follow baseball closely in 1994 when they had the mid-season lockout that was painful man it almost killed baseball for me and a lot of people, quite frankly. But I think it, in this day and age, the owners and the players have just as much to lose as the other side of the, the equation. So there's too much money involved in baseball. There's too much TV rights involved here. I'm glad it's happening now because they have a, a, a lot of time to find a resolution before spring training is supposed to start in March. So yeah, I guess... I just hope for both sides to be as motivated as I feel they should be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, Manfred seems like kind of a hard-nosed guy, but uh, there is just too much money There's there. too much, man. Yeah, and, like, I don't think there'll be an extended one like we've seen in the NHL and stuff like that. I think they'll probably be a little bit more motivated there. Hopefully, hopefully, but you're right. Everyone knew this was coming. They knew the the expiration of the, C the current CBA was to... Um, expire at midnight on Wednesday. So we did see a lot of teams being like, you know what, we got to lock guys up here because we don't know what this is going to look like. And quite frankly, it was in the owner's interest to do so because if the CBA does go on the player's favor, a lot of these guys probably would have made a few extra bucks if mm -hmm. they if they held out. But we're talking about guys like Corey Seager, you know, 300 plus million. You know, Marcus Simeon left the Jays, $175 million. The Jays were not going to pay him that. Yeah, he goes to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, both of those guys went to the Rangers, yeah. actually. Uh, Mariners got Robbie Ray for uh, five years and 115 mil. And I'm glad the Jays didn't do it, man. I, I, lovely year for Robbie, but I, he's, I don't think he's worth that. If we would have got him for five years, 80, 90. But I think the chances of him replicating this year are very, very slim. Uh, the Mets bringing in Max Scherzer for three years and uh, 130 million. Oh, yeah, that's a banger, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> the Mets signed some other people, too. They had quite a number of signings, though the names escaped me at this yeah, point. Yeah, they let Noah Syndergaard go. Um, oh, yeah, after... Thor's on, the, on his way out. I, where did he go again? I think uh, the Angels. Was it the Angels? I thought. Oh, I have to look that up. I like Syndergaard quite a bit. He's... Well, he's lost quite a bit of velocity when he was Thor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I think he's still got something to 
give a team. I just don't think he's as dominant as he used to be. Well, he hasn't played. Like, I know. It's been a lot of injuries for him, for sure. But interesting to see all the movement. I, you know, baseball was pretty entertaining for me last year. And uh, I hope, I hope for a peaceful resolution. Let's put it that way. Jay's got Gossman too. Yeah, Jay's got Gosman signed Barrios a few weeks ago as well. So they've really shored up that that starting rotation with Ryu at number one. We'll see if he stays there. But Gosman had an absolute just sparkling year in San Francisco this past year. An ERA under three, fourteen and six. And uh, I like the prospects of him, you know, slotting in at two or three. But Barrios they got for a. a a bargain by league standards. So letting Robbie Ray go is, is actually not that big of a deal. Simeon sucks, but we were never going to pay him that much. Mm. And uh, to end off on a positive note, Mr. Tiger Woods, who we've gushed about in the past and uh, God almost lost his leg. I think it was, um, but it sounds like he's uh, going to come back at some point um, on a modified schedule. Course. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna believe that's a foregone conclusion until it actually happens. He's got a lot of rehab still left to go. But you're right, man. He 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 was quoted as saying, you know, the first 48, 72 hours after the accident, he he in his mind it was a 50-50 coin flip whether he kept his leg or he got amputated. So, you know, it, luckily it didn't, and he and he has a chance to play again. Who knows if he does? But he has a chance, and. Um, yeah, I've modified schedule or not, you know, the greats like Ben Hogan, he, he was quoted as saying, at the end of their careers, they just picked and choose. I mean, if he's going to play five, six, seven events, I'd have to assume that four of those are going to be the majors and maybe the unwritten fifth at the Players' Championship and maybe a few other high-level events. You know, the PGA or the, the FedEx Cup Championship is a grueling three-week thing too, so... Who knows what Tiger's career is going to look like. Now, if he's only playing a few, he's probably not going to make the FedEx playoffs unless he wins every single tournament he, he does participate in. So, yeah, it's, it's just encouraging to see the number one name in golf potentially making another comeback. He only really needs to be a special attraction at this point to pop the numbers, pop the fans, be the feel-good story, regardless of how he does. People are going to cheer him anyway just for being back. Yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. I think at this point in his career, he knows this is just for fun. He knows that the crowd wants to see him, and he's just going to go out there, and maybe he'll shank a few into the bushes and look like a mere mortal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a relatively positive note, but let's end on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so if you guys ever find yourselves in Toronto, I know everyone thinks about going to the Leafs, but if you want a, mu- a much more price competitive entertainment venue, go see the Raptors. It's absolutely amazing. And let's go Raptors. I mean, we're disjointed in terms of hockey prowess, but we're all one when it comes to the Raptors. So support where you can. I'm Bren. He's Bren. Signing off, reminding you not to be a dick on the internet. We'll talk to you next week. Brennan Brand Sports Podcast. Remember to like, listen, and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio.